0: 2nd right. Chronicles chapter 14 we're again studying and we're looking at the history of the Jewish people we're looking at we started with looking at David here in Chronicles and then his son Solomon after Solomon passed away the, the, it was his son Rehoboam as we've looked at the last couple of weeks Rehoboam the tri, the, Israel then split at that point Jeroboam because the, the people came to Rehoboam and said hey love to follow you. Just if you'd lighten up a little bit, you know, your dad was kind of heavy on us. He thought, you thought my dad was heavy on you. You ain't seen nothing yet. And so Jeroboam then came in and it split. And this is a permanent thing. The Northern tribes are called the tribes of Israel. Now these are the tribes of Judah that we will continue the Southern two, Judah and Benjamin. Head, the, their capital is in Jerusalem. And that, that's the, primarily the focus of Chronicles, as we've, as we've discussed. This is written now uh, by, by those after they come back from the Babylonian captivity to the remaining tribes of Judah at that time. So we've looked at Rehoboam. He was 41 years old when he took over the, the kingship, what took over the crown from his father Solomon. He reigned for 17 years. His wife was Maaka she'll, she'll come into play here in a little bit later. They had a son named Abijah. He only reigned three years as king. And last week we looked at the fact that though there were some, some glimpses, in particular in chapter 13, when they were doing battle with the northern tribes, they... They said, we are the followers of the true and living God and, and, and proclaimed that. And they did have victory over the northern tribes as we discussed last time. However, they did, certainly did not follow the Lord with all their heart. As a matter of fact, I pointed out last time as we closed, First Kings 15 says this about Abijah, he walked in all of the sins of his father, which he had committed before him, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, like the heart of his father, or his great-grandfather, David, okay? So, as we've seen this progression, it went from David, a man after God's own heart, loved the Lord, not a perfect man, but a man who loved God and never fell away to idols. To Solomon, who started out great, started out following after God, but later, because he was disobedient, fell, married a bunch of, of foreign wives. They, as God said would happen, took his heart away, and he started following other idols, and that, and that got passed on then to Rehoboam, then to Abijah. Now, Abijah has passed away, and his son Asa comes to the throne. And I say all of that because we're going to take a look at a, at a good king. A a godly king. And we see that right away in verse verse 1, chapter 14. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And his son Asa became king in his place. The land was undisturbed for 10 years during his days. Verse 2, Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. And this was, again, in spite of the fact that his father didn't follow the Lord. His grandfather didn't follow the Lord. His great-grandfather Solomon was the one who fell away while doing that. This passed on, and again, this, I just think it's an important thing to note because so many people, and especially in our culture today, blame their parents, blame all of this other stuff and, and these things that are handed down, and granted, those things, if you don't have godly parents that are pouring into you and that type of thing, there are, you know, they're certainly starting with this, the deck stacked against you. But God is more powerful than all of that. And it simply takes one heart to turn. And it can just radically change the trajectory. And we'll see of the whole country, of the, the tribes of, of Judah that had followed now these other kings away from God, here this godly young man leads them back to the Lord. Notice verse 3, for he removed the foreign altars in high places. He tore down the sacred pillars. He cut down the Asherim and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of of their fathers, and to observe the law and the commandment. He tore down, he destroyed all of the things that his father, grandfather, they had built up. They had put all of these other false idol worship in place. He tore it down. And notice how completely he deals with it. He removed, tore down, cut down, dealing with it radically, permanently. He didn't just put it in the garage. Got rid of it. Destroyed it. Notice too, it says... He commanded Judah, commanded the people to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. That is singular, the commandment. To observe the commandment. What is the
1: commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You
0: know that, they asked Jesus what's the greatest commandment, he said. That very thing. Jesus confirmed that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on those two, hang all the law and the prophets. As we can sum this whole thing down to loving God with all that we have and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And he commanded that they do that commanded it was and what we're going to see even later he he even takes it up a notch in chapter 15 but he also removed the high places and the incense altars and notice all the cities of judah not just certain places this was widespread throughout all of the cities and the kingdom was undisturbed under him He built fortified cities in Judah since the land was undisturbed and there was no one at war with him during those years because the Lord had given him rest. So for 10 years, notice this word undisturbed is used three times. It's a word
1: for there was peace. There was peace in the land for 10 years. There was peace because Asa sought the Lord he,
0: he desired to follow after God passionately, doing away with, with sin in the land, and the people followed and made that, and again, there is peace. You know, it's interesting, the, the contrast between righteousness and those seeking after God and The wicked and those that want nothing to do with God. Isaiah speaks to both of them. One in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 and the other in Isaiah 57 verse 20 and 21. In Isaiah 26 verse 3, there's this this, that we can hold on to. It says, he will keep him in perfect peace. Those whose mind is stayed on him, whose heart is after God, God will keep in perfect peace. In Isaiah 57 verse 20, it says, the wicked will have no peace. And again, not peace as we look around the, the world. We're going to see that there's a battle that's right on, the, right on the cusp that's coming up. Doesn't mean that there won't be any, any problems, there won't be any difficulties. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives It's a totally different peace. It's that peace that we can have that, as Paul tells us, the peace that passes understanding will be ours in Christ Jesus. It will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A peace that the world knows nothing about, the world can't have. As a matter of fact, again, Isaiah 57 says the the wicked can't have that peace. But God will keep us in perfect peace, in that perfect peace, as we keep our focus, our hearts and our minds toward him notice the Lord had given him rest. Jesus makes that promise. Come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The burdens and the, and the things that weigh, weigh us down, we bring those to the Lord, and he promises rest. Well, during this time of peace, he says then, well, let's, let's build up the cities. Let's do that. And it wasn't for a lack of trust. It was just being practical. I mean, it just, you know, we have this time. Let's go ahead and, and fortify the city. So that's what happens in verse 7. He said to Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours. Note, he understands why. Because we have sought the Lord our God. It's not because of, it's not by my might, not by my strength. It's the spirit of God. It is... it is not because of anything we've done. It's because we have sought the Lord, our God, and he has done it. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Now Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, bearing large shields and spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin, bearing shields and wielding bows. All of them were valiant warriors. So there's there's quite an army, quite a strength that they could have and look at even on paper saying, Hey, we're looking pretty solid. But guys, again, just as we got a real practical lesson that we could, we're going to see in the next couple of verses, because if you, if you make a decision to live as Asa has made a decision and the people of Judah have made a decision to live, we're going to live godly. We're going to follow after the Lord. We're going to be public about it. We're going to take a public stand and living, living righteously for God and not, not ashamed of it Guys, the enemy's going to attack. And the enemy's gonna attack in a big way. Not gonna sit back and, and just, just say, all right, you can have that ground. No, the enemy's gonna, the enemy's gonna attack. And even though it looks like, on, you know, again, 580,000 soldiers, valiant warriors, look at the next verse. Now, Zerah the Ethiopian came up against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And he came to Marisha, a million soldiers. I just try, you know, just trying to wrap your mind around that. That's, that, that's, that's, pretty big. I mean, a million soldiers. I'm thinking, you know, each one takes up about a square foot, right? I said, that's, that's, that's like, that's like a, a million square feet. That's big. <laughs> that's a, there's a lot of people I'm trying to say. It's a big, it's a big enemy that's coming. And notice verse 11. Guys, this is, this is so important. Verse 11 is, is awesome. Then Asa called to the Lord his God. It doesn't matter how big their army is. It doesn't matter how well fortified the cities are. It doesn't matter. All these 10 years of all of this other preparation, he doesn't, it, he's not resting one little bit on that. Notice, he says, Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. Notice again, he's... He's not standing in any boastful pride. He said, we have no strength. He's not saying that we, can, we, we don't quite match up. He's saying, God, without you, we're nothing. And you alone can help us. He doesn't say we don't have time to go to anybody else and get help. He said, no, you alone can help us in this. We have no strength, and those are powerful that are against us. So help us, O Lord our God, for note, we trust in you. And in your name have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not man prevail against, note, you. We belong to you. You've made promises to us. Your promises are true, and we're standing on those promises. We trust you. So when we place ourselves in your hands and trust in you, what can, they can't prevail against you. Total, total dependence, total faith in God, facing an, an unbeatable enemy on their own. Notice verse 12. So the Lord
1: routed the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Guys, the, the Bible is full of these promises to us as well.
0: Again, what can, what can man do to me, right? If God is for me, who could be against me? Again, the, we talk about this a lot. I mean, I just what is the worst thing that somebody can do to me? Yeah, promote me. <laughs> That's the worst thing that could happen. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar, and so many Ethiopians fell that they could not recover, for they were shattered before the Lord and before his army, and they carried away very much plunder. They destroyed all the cities around Gerar, for the the dread of the Lord had fallen on them, and they despoiled all the cities, for there was much plunder in them. They also struck down those who owned livestock, and they carried away large numbers of sheep and camels, Then they returned to Jerusalem. Again, godly. (laughs) This godly man leading now these people that are following hard after the Lord. How this insurmountable enemy comes against them. They trust in the Lord, they pray, they put everything into the Lord's hands, the Lord delivers them. Great chapter, wonderful victory the Lord brings about for his people. Now note as we start chapter 15. Now the spirit of God came to Azariah the son of Obed and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, so they're on their way back from this victory. Everything is great. I mean, you, you, you can't lay it out better, right? I mean, this is a chapter on how to handle spiritual warfare. I mean, this is it right here. Notice this guy comes out to meet Asa and said, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now in your flesh, how would you respond to that? Like, don't I know that?
1: What are you telling me that for? I just wrote the book on that. I just followed that to a T. But guys,
0: as we touched on this weekend, there is nothing insignificant irrelevant in God's word to us at every moment. We can't ever come to a point when we're going through God's word and say, got that. It needs to be, Lord, renew that in me again. Let me see it afresh. Let me take it in again. Guys, some of the times that we have to be most careful is after a big victory. Because we can come out of that thinking, man, I nailed that. Yes, yes, Lord, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you get all the credit, but yeah. Don't discard anything in your daily devotions. File that away in the I'm going to need that someday category. If you don't need it at that moment, file that
1: away and say, you know, I got to remember that. Wouldn't Again, we don't know... What lies ahead for us? We could say, you know, okay, maybe it's
0: not that, you know, okay, I dealt with that. Maybe it's like, I'm never going to have to deal with that. Do you, ever, do you ever feel that way at times when you're reading through the word and you're like, man, like, when is that ever going to be applicable to me? I got to be honest, at times you're going, it it can be like that. You could say, and and you got to, at those times you stop and pause and read it again and say, God, what do you want in this for me? Because this is the living word and I I know that nothing in here is irrelevant. What, What can I glean from this? And I hope that you see that as we're going through the Old Testament. A lot of people say, the Old Testament, man, we need to be in the New Testament. Amen. We do that on the weekend, but we need to, this is the entire counsel of God for us. The Bible tells us, it tells us in the New Testament, this is recorded for our learning, not for a history test, but for life application. So as we're going through this, wouldn't it be great to have a time machine, be able to jump ahead 20 years and see all of that and say, okay, you know what? Now I know that, 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 that's coming, You know, so I can prepare for that. You know what's way better than a time machine? having a God who exists outside of time. Not only does he know what's coming, he knows what to do about it. We could jump ahead 20 years and see what's going to be there, but even that we'd still struggle with, okay, now what am I going to do about that? God knows, and he prepares us
1: in his word. He knows what we're going to need at a time ahead. And... This word comes to Asa, and I'm not going to spoil, spoiler alert, he's going to need it.
0: (laughs) Verse 3, this is the continuing of this oracle that's coming through this man to Asa. For many days Israel was without the true God, the true God. Notice singular, the true God, there's only one. Speaking now of the northern tribes of Israel, Many days, Israel without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. They've been going on for quite a while up in the north, notice, without a teaching priest. They had a priest that was doing whatever they wanted him to do. Again, doing, doing the sacrifices in places that weren't, that, that, that weren't okay. They were doing all sorts of stuff, but at they were, doing, they were they were telling the people what they wanted to hear. They weren't teaching. They were without the law. We've seen that again several times. We've said that when that happens, guys, people start doing whatever is right in their own eyes and disaster always follows. Always. But, verse four, in their distress, they note first turned to the Lord of God of Israel and they sought him and he let them find him. I love that. That's that, that prodigal story. Go away, doing your own thing. Even having your own form of, of godliness and, and go in this direction. But getting to that point and realizing that it's wrong and in desperation turning to, to God and seeking after him. And, and guys, every time that happens, God <laughs> makes himself, and I love that, let them find him. Here I am, arms open wide. In those times, there was no place for him who went out and him who came in, for many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. Nation was crushed by nation, city by city, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. The problem with Israel is every time that happened, they would turn to God, God would say, okay, here I am, they'd come back for a little while and they'd go back away and they'd turn away. That's just been the history as we've studied chapter after chapter after chapter. But, verse 7, but you, be strong and do not lose courage, for there is reward for your work. But you, Asa, don't follow that pattern. Be strong, be courageous, be faithful, and there is a reward in that. Very similar to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. An encouragement from Paul to the Corinthian church and to us. Stay faithful. Be courageous. Continue to push forward. Be strong. Knowing that your work for the Lord is not in vain. Same message here to Asa and notice asa's reaction he hears this he has this this great victory on the way back he's he meets with a with a challenge don't don't basically don't get cocky always stay with the lord and there will be a great reward notice his response verse eight but when asa heard these words or now when asa heard these words and the prophecy which azariah the son of Obed the prophet spoke he took courage and removed the abominable abominable idols from all the land of judah and benjamin and from the cities which he captured in the hill country of Ephraim. So went back through with a fine-tooth comb, getting rid of every idol, and then also into the areas that have now been captured in the, in, the, in the battles now, even some portions of Ephraim, making sure that all of the idols are removed. He then restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. So he goes, goes to where the true worship should be and restores the altar there. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and notice this, and those from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon who resided with them. For many defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So there's many people in the north who have been going to all this idolatry, chasing after all of these things, doing whatever is right in their own sight, but they're seeing that there's no, there's no peace. There's no true joy. There's, there, there's, there's only hardship and sorrow in this. No matter what it is that they're trying to do up there. So it says that they defected down to Judah. He said, we're going to go down there where, where they worship God the way he should be worshipped. Where they worship the true and living God. Enough of this. Enough of this idolatry. Enough of this deception. And so they, they come down. And notice when they saw that the Lord, the God, their God was with them. They saw it, they noticed it. There's something different there. We call the same God, we, we, we use the same terminology, but there's something different there. There's, there's something different in them, and we see a difference in how God is blessing them. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. That our light should shine in such a way that
1: it's noticeable. Peter records two things in 1 Peter chapter 2 about
0: people observing our behavior. First of all, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, the outside People, the people on the outside, so that in the thing in which you, they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. As they observe them, the differences in our behavior, and then seeing again how God is, is responding to us. But notice too also, and it, this came up in a, in a recent counseling discussion that, that my wife had with a with, uh, with a, with a woman whose husband is not following the Lord. And Peter addresses that in 1 Peter chapter 3. In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Now again, I'm... Peter's addressing wives in this instance, but I think it's an overarching
1: principle to to all of us. Respectful behavior. Instead of defending, instead
0: of you jerk or you know, whatever, regardless of what, what the person is, guys,
1: we're to be different. We're to respond differently. And with that, even being the example
0: of Jesus, that while being reviled, he did not revile in return, but kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. And the Bible tells us that when we do that,
1: people see it. And we might not immediately see the fruit of it, but they notice. And some will respond.
0: So, verse 10, they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. They sacrificed to the Lord that day 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep from the spoil that they had brought. They entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers, note again, with all their heart and soul. This is the the people, not just Asa and his cabinet members. Again, the people, this this is spreading throughout the entire land, and notice this. Verse 13, and whoever would not seek the Lord of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman.
1: That's that's taking it up a notch. Probably have a little difficulty getting that through
0: the Senate today. (laughs) But that's how seriously they took this. Guys, we're going to follow after God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Individually, yes, but as a people. Moreover, they made an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. All Judah rejoiced concerning the oath. They were rejoicing because they had come to this agreement that we're going to serve God with all we have. For they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him earnestly. And notice again, there it is. And he let them find him. So the Lord gave
1: them rest on every side. You know, that's a promise, that if we seek after him diligently, we will find him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven.
0: God speaking, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The author of Hebrews re- echoes that in Hebrews eleven six. 6, and with, without faith it's impossible to please him, and he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now notice it
1: says seek him, not seek what he can give you diligently see God with a heart
0: again as Asa had of total faith and trust God whatever it is that you have for me I'm good with that because I know that you have my best interest in, in mind I know that you love me with a love that is beyond comparison I know that you're only good so I trust you and I want to know you and I want to I, I want to I know all about you I want to be conformed into your image and God
1: delights to reveal himself to a heart that is like that. And to give rest, gives rest again on every side. Verse 16, Asa, it says, he
0: also recu- removed Makah, the mother of King Asa. Now, there is no word in Hebrew for grandmother, great grandmother, anything like that. It's referred to his mother. This was not really his mother. Note, again, I mentioned at the outset, this is his grandma. But he has to remove her, notice, from the position of queen mother because she had made a horrid image as an Asherah and Asa cut down the horrid image. Notice, crushed it and burned it at the brook of Kidron. Not messing around. Grandma built this idol. We're tearing it down, removing her from her seat of power and cutting it down, crushing it, and burning it. Guys, obedience to God must in our lives come before any
1: relationship. Obedience to God has to come before anything else, any other relationship. Jesus, Jesus didn't beat around the bush when he even spoke about how
0: following him might affect some family relationships following him might sever family relationships. But he said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, but he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Now, at first glance, that might look at, you know, that's, that's being pretty harsh and, and drawing these hard lines and, and that type of stuff. But let me tell you something that I know to be a fact. Following after Jesus is the best thing that you can do for your marriage. It is the best thing that you can do for your children. It is the best thing that you can do if your parents aren't followers of the Lord.
1: You loving Jesus with all that you have is the best thing that you can do for that relationship. No... No marriage is going to suffer by putting Jesus first. There might be some initial... initial problems. Guys...
0: No marriage will suffer with that. that I, the, the simplest way to put this down, I heard this a couple of years ago and I've known it to be true in every marital counseling session I've ever done. Every
1: marital problem is a lordship problem. Every marital problem is a lordship problem. Because the Bible is clear what our roles are And if we follow those
0: roles, making Jesus Lord of our life and follow what our Lord says, it does away with our marital problems. Every issue with that is a lordship problem. And Jesus, you put him first, that will take care of these other things.
1: Again, Asa here, again, so
0: moved by following after God and following hard after him, even having to deal with his grandma in this way. Verse 17, but the high places were not removed from Israel, the northern tribes. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was blameless all his days. He brought into the house of God the dedicated things of his father and his own dedicated things, silver and gold and utensils, note here, and there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. So for over 20 years, Notice again, we talk the first 10 years, peace. Then we have this, this war that God defeats the enemy because Asa seeks after God. We trust you. Then there is peace again now for, for, for 25 years, the 35th year of Asa's reign. Notice chapter 16. Now, in the 36th year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to, Asa's, to Asa, king of Judah. This town, Ramah, is about five to six miles north of Jerusalem. The king of Israel captures that and it is on a main trade route that comes into Jerusalem. So controlling that, now they're controlling what's coming in and out from the north into Jerusalem. Notice verse two and three. Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Bed-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, let there be a treaty between you and me and between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go break your treaty with Basha, king of
1: Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. Twenty-six years later, all of a
0: sudden, this young king who realized his absolute total dependency on God when facing an enemy, 26 years later, and all this experience and all this other kind of stuff said, I know how to handle this one. I can deal with this. This Asha, I know he, this guy, he's got a treaty with them. I'll buy off the guy he's got a treaty with. It we'll cause a disturbance up north. They'll withdraw. I mean, hey, sitting around a military
1: strategy session, that, that's probably a pretty brilliant plan. Don't even have to fire a shot. And the worst case scenario happens. Verse four, so Ben-Hadad listened to
0: King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they conquered Aijon, Dan, Abiram, and all the cities of of Naphtali. When Basha heard of it, he ceased fortifying Ramah and stopped his work. Worst case
1: scenario, it worked. It was successful. Charles Spurgeon, I'm gonna misquote it a little bit, but the gist is, said one time,
0: it is far more dangerous to succeed without the Lord than it is to fail without the Lord. Far more dangerous to succeed without the Lord than fail without the Lord. When we succeed without the Lord, all of a sudden we think, man, we got this. Or we could even go as far as to say, man, the Lord's in this. Even though we didn't confer with him, even though we didn't consult him, even though we didn't, again, as he did. And again, we just just read it. What he did last time, God, we're helpless without you. And all of a sudden, a plan of ours works. Without God, and all of a sudden we start thinking, well, I'm not so helpless without him. I might need him in the, if a million people come again, then I'll go to him. But man, I can handle this stuff on my own. And that's the danger of succeeding without the Lord because, man,
1: we just keep going down that path. And oh my goodness, it appears to be successful.
0: But again, we can't ever look at, at something like that as an initial success. I've used this over and over and over again. Jonah thought it was successful when he got a boat. He thought, man, God must be in this because I found a boat when I got down here. Initial success doesn't mean that uh, things are gonna end well. Verse six, then King Asa brought all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timbers in which Basho had been building, and with them they fortified Geba and Mizpah. So they go up, they take all the materials they were fortifying the city, and they start fortifying some more of their own. Again, looks like it was a brilliant plan and it worked out perfectly. Verse seven, at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you have, and this is key, this word is used a few times here, because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians Ethiopians, and the Lubim an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand? Again, the problem, if we look at this initially, and just like God speaking through Isaiah in Isaiah 30, it wasn't that they went down to Egypt. It was that they went down to Egypt without consulting him. Again, what, what the, the problem isn't that that was what happened. The problem is they relied on that instead of relying on the Lord, going to the Lord. If the Lord would have said, this is what you do, and then you follow that plan, great but he didn't even consult the Lord as he did last time. That was his first step. We're helpless without you. Help God, intervene, we trust you. Here, I got this, because you did not rely on the Lord, but you relied on your own intuition, and you
1: relied on man. Verse nine. Many of you have probably even, even know this verse. Here it is in the
0: context. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed from now on you will surely
1: have wars. You didn't rely on God. You didn't lean completely on him.
0: You relied on the world. You relied on that. And then he goes on to say, don't you understand that God's eyes are looking all over for those who are simply willing to rely on him so that he can
1: intervene on their behalf? That he can, that he can, he's looking for those
0: that are willing to trust him and that will rely completely on him so that he can step in and intervene. I don't know how you look at God as one, as how he answers your prayers and how he, he, he steps into your situation in your life. So often we look at, you know, other, you know, we compare God to, on, in our level of understanding. I mean, I would just use like children's ministry as an example and the need in children's ministry. Some people respond to the need when, when in, in, in children's ministry when, when, we have, when they've been convinced. Time and time again, we need your help in children's ministry. There's the, the, you know, like we did a couple of weeks ago and, and sharing with that and, and it, the, the, over and over and over, we need it, we need it, we need the help. And finally it's like, okay, you've convinced me, go and sign up and help out.
1: Others just need to be informed. Oh, there's a need, okay. But there's still others that are looking
0: to serve in children's ministry. They come. That's one of the first things they do when they start coming to the church. How do I get involved in children's ministry? Why? Because children's ministry was what affected me in my walk with the Lord. You know, we have a lot of Awana volunteers who have shared with me that they got saved during Awana as a child. So they love serving in Awana because they know the impact it has on kids. Same thing with VBS and those types of things. They're looking for it. And I, I think sometimes we can misunderstand how God wants to get involved. Like sometimes our prayers, we have to convince God to get involved. You know, I, we have to beg and plead over and over and finally convince him to get involved in our situation. Or sometimes we think like we need to inform him. God, I know you're really busy up there and you got a whole lot going on, but I just want to let you know what's going on in my particular
1: situation right now. Guys, this verse tells us he's looking. He is looking all over. Not just in certain pockets. To and fro. Throughout the earth.
0: Just looking for those who will trust him. Who will rely on him.
1: Who will lean on him. So that he may notice strongly support. That's his heart. And because you didn't, you've acted foolishly. You ignored
0: the warning. The warning you got 25 years ago that you, 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 you let, you know, oh, I got this. Or you, you didn't, you, you, you filed it away and then forgot. <laughs> forgot, didn't keep revisiting that. I've heard that before.
1: Hear it again. Hear it again. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars.
0: Now, if you didn't already read ahead, what would you think Asa's response would be? Repentance? Man, I blew it. I'm, I, you know, we, we see this, this, this godly man to this point. But notice his response. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this almost like how how dare you
1: what are you talking about look at look at the look at the victory that we've had you know it was solomon his great great grandfather who had some advice in all of
0: this situation i mean he gets he gets he acts he acts on his own His own wisdom, his own strength, his own knowledge of things. And then when he's corrected, he gets mad. Solomon writes this Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. He also says a couple verses later, my son do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof for whom the Lord loves. He reproves even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. But instead of receiving the correction, when it came, he gets angry and it doesn't, it doesn't just stop here with this anger with this seer. Now, It tells us, verse 11, now the acts of Asa from the first to the last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah of Israel. In the 39th year of his reign. So we're three years now removed from this, two to three years later. Notice it said, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. He not only became angry, with, with the, the, the
1: messenger that brought the message from God, but he also got angry with God. That's how you're going to treat me? Guys, hardening your heart towards a message that comes from God against the individual and especially against God, it will only result in agony. And in this case, the agony of defeat. <laughs> but the point is there
0: agony. It will only result in further, further, f- further tumbling down, further, further distress. Again, instead of humbling himself, he hardened his heart. And even to this point where he, he, he is so diseased, it'll eventually, he, he dies from this, that he did not seek the Lord. He went, again, to, to physicians. And again, not that doctors are wrong, but again, it goes back to the relying
1: on. Are you relying on the Lord or are you relying on the physicians? Relying on the Lord. And I don't know, I... If this is for anybody here in particular, or perhaps you know somebody who through a series of events, different things like that, have become angry with God. He is the one who loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. He loves you. He is only good. He cannot, he cannot do evil. He has your best intentions
0: in mind. He knows what's best for you, and you might not agree with it, You might say that this this isn't fair, this isn't whatever, however you want to look at that. But you need to go, when when there are things that we don't understand about what's going on, we have to always go back to the things that we do understand about God.
1: There's a bigger plan involved, and there will be one day, one day, when first of all, none of it will matter anymore. None of it. And in that time, I do believe that we're going to be able to see.
0: Oh, I get it now. Okay. Don't know that for sure, but I believe believe we're going to be able to look back and see, okay, I see how this all came together and God, you're right. Your word said, your word said you were going to work all things together for good and you
1: did. You're faithful. So I would encourage you if you have that anger, bitterness towards
0: the Lord because of something or whatever's gone on in your heart, repent of that tonight. Spend some time with the Lord tonight, just, just alone, just praying,
1: and again, trusting in him. Asa slept with his fathers, it tells us, having
0: died in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had cut out for himself in the city of David, and they laid him in a resting place, which he had filled with spices, various kinds, blended perfumers, by the perfumer's art, and they made a very great fire for him. Not, that's not a cremation fire. That was a, a fire for that. They didn't. The Jews don't believe in, in cremation. People have asked me that before, and the Bible doesn't speak anything against it. Um, People say, "Well, you know, what about the resurrection? And everything?" And I "Yeah. Well, those that haven't weren't cremated. They, he wasn't cremated, but he's dust. You know, <laughs> same thing. Ashes, you know. And God's God's gonna the resurrection's gonna be a glorious thing, and we're gonna have all new models anyway. So, <laughs> well, we see in Asa a godly man, one who followed after the Lord." It does tell us that all of his days he never turned away to idols. And again, like David, followed after God in that regard. But we do see that he got in, in later on in his life and he got into his flesh a little bit and started trusting in his own strength and in his own decisions and leaving God out. And I guess there's certainly, as we've looked at, a lot of lessons that we can learn from the life of Asa. But one that, we, that challenges me in that is, guys, it does matter how you start, but it matters as much or more how you finish. And we need to continue to run this race that is set before us. To putting aside the sin that so easily entangles and running the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word, your living word. Lord, I'm just so blessed every time as we dig into these stories that your word tells us are recorded for our learning, how much there is for us to learn.
1: And Lord, big takeaway for me is I want to follow hard after you every day.
0: You promise that if we seek after you, you will reveal yourself to us. And if we simply trust you and come to you with everything, it's your delight to intervene. It's your delight to strongly
1: support. God, there is no other support like you. We can lean on you completely and totally in absolute faith and trust. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word.
0: In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys, have a good rest of the week.